In the name of the crucified and risen Lord, amen. What's on your list? I know we all have one. Perhaps you've already been able to check off a few items. It's the list we have of what we plan to do when this pandemic is behind us, or at least getting close. Travel is on the list for many. Maybe going out dancing is on your list. It's not on mine, but if it's on yours, I'm good with that. In-person school and visiting grandchildren or grandparents tops the list for lots of folks. Mine includes being able to hug people who don't live in my house. And I say that as someone who is actually not a big hugger. And oh yeah, I'd like to be able to say to anyone who wants to worship here, just come. No registration required, no seats assigned. Won't that be nice? It's not everything, but it's a start. It's nice having things to look forward to. Surely half a happy list is better than none. A list is one thing, but I fear that this year, what I really fear is that most years, we also settle for half an Easter, a day to look forward to with a church service with beautiful music and flowers, and at home, perhaps a basket of chocolate bunnies and jelly beans, and maybe a nice meal with family or friends a little something along the lines of that feast of fat things we just heard the prophet Isaiah describe. But I am here this morning in this service with the music and the flowers to tell you that half an Easter is a terrible idea. A partial Easter simply will not do. In our lives, there are things to which we just have to reconcile ourselves. There are things for which we do settle, but a partial, merely pretty Easter should never be one of them. Why not? Because flowers and music, chocolate and jelly beans only last so long, and they cannot get to the heart of things. For starters, even now, we all know that we who have post-pandemic lists are the lucky ones. There are those people, including within our own congregation, who will never get back what they most want, the person they long for, who was claimed by COVID. But whether it's COVID or something else, a simple scan of the list for memorial flowers makes it clear that grief is always in the air for someone, often someone we know. So let's start there, with grief, because we know it, and because it's what propels the women to walk to the graveyard at first light, the longing for a person they love, perhaps loved above all others. These women have nothing to celebrate 
they are wound round with sorrow. Those who grieve now, those who grieved that first Easter, those then and now who can at best only rejoice in fits and starts because of daily pain or loss or injustice, show us why a partial Easter will not do. Because that kind of an Easter just means decorating the world as it is, adding some flowers to the day, bringing spices to a tomb to cover the smell of death. That's hardly worth a fanfare, and it will never get us to Alleluia. What will? What those women saw and heard that first Easter, which was and is that God makes no peace, no peace with the ways of the world, those ways which sooner or later take us to a grave, God's not having it, none of it. An immovable stone, you say? Moved. A tomb? Well, yes, and you're welcome to check it out. But it's empty. A body to anoint? No. No, don't have that. Because this Jesus of Nazareth has been raised. He's been raised and he's waiting for you. So go, go and tell the others. That terrified them. What's so terrifying? This great good news, that's what. Because if the stone is rolled back, the tomb is empty, and Jesus is raised, those women and all of us, if we're honest, have no idea what our future could look like. Especially when it begins to dawn on us that if Jesus who was fully human, just like us, is not held by death, then neither shall we be. Death still comes, but it won't be the last word. And if it's not the last word, then we need not live our lives in a defensive crouch. No more settling for life as we know it. But when defense is the posture we know, it can be hard and even frightening to uncoil and stand up straight. So what shall we do? Isaiah announces that the Feast of Fat Things celebrates the time when the shroud over the people is lifted. Jesus did a pretty good job in his ministry of lifting the shrouds that seemed to bury too many people alive, healing those thought to be untouchable and unclean, feeding those who hungered for bread as well as for the bread of life, forgiving those deemed absolutely unforgivable, welcoming those despised, whether despised by Rome or official religion or their own neighbors. And he had suggestions for us, too. Visit prisoners. Clothe the naked. Give water to those who thirst. What shrouds need shredding in our day? The same ones as in Jesus' day. 
And what happens in a world when we join Jesus in removing the disgrace of his people? What happens when we stop making peace with mass shootings or with unarmed people of color, mostly, but not only, black men and women, being killed by police? Or what happens when we stop making peace with police officers being killed for defending the Capitol? I can't tell you exactly, but I'm sure that saying yes to resurrection and new life, to joining the God who rolls away gravestones and raised Jesus from the dead, means that at the very least, we can no longer shrug and dismiss it all as just the way it is. And that is terrifying. Where do we start? How do we find our way into that work, into God's work? Remember what the man back at the tomb said. Jesus is going ahead to meet you in Galilee. Galilee sounds foreign to us, but it was their hometown, their familiar turf. And that's where we're sent, not to some exotic locale, but back into our familiar places, onto the streets we walk, the places we live and work, and the families and friends we know. That is where our new life and our call to death-defying acts of justice, mercy, and love must begin. And maybe that terrifies us too. But God's got this. God is with us, God is for us. Because Jesus has gone ahead of us, is already there, is already here waiting for us. If God has overcome death once and for all, surely God in Christ can shore us up for the work ahead. Sure enough, those women and the other disciples found both their voices and their footing and proclaimed and lived Easter's new life full on. Without them, none of us would be here. So let's trade our lists for an encounter with the living and risen Lord. Then we'll have Easter full on too, to live and to celebrate in a world that Jesus and we are making new. In the name of the risen Lord, amen. <laughs>